The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hey, everybody, welcome in to a snowy edition of the Leach Report from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio here in Lexington. Um, a little more snow for much of Kentucky last night, a little more ice for some, but the good news is that the thaw is coming next week. Uh, but uh, for now, we have plenty to talk about in the way of Kentucky basketball and a victory last night down at Vanderbilt. So two in a row for the Cats. Now they head to Tennessee on Saturday. We'll talk about the game today with Mike Pratt. Uh, with Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated, and with Christy Thomas, co-host of the BBN Game Day Show. So that's our guest lineup. Let's roll right into the Wildcat news of the day. Kentucky defeats Vanderbilt 82-78 in Nashville. They've won five straight now in Memorial Gymnasium. Uh, First time they've done that since 2001. Uh, They are uh, nine in a row, I think, overall. And this was the first time, maybe in any of the nine, where they never trailed. The game was tied, but uh, they never trailed. Free throw shooting was clutch. 24 of 25, including 17 in a row to finish the game. That's the best performance at the line since 1992. 11 blocks, second consecutive game with double-figure blocks. That hadn't happened since 2012. Uh, Davion Mintz had 18 with four threes, two massive threes in the second half. One was when Vandy had tied the game. Uh, I can tell you it looked really shaky. Mintz comes down, knocks down a three to give him a little breathing room. And then the other one was it was a three-point game. He's got the ball on the side, and Brooks is coming up to set a screen for him. He just waves him off like, I got this. Trust me. <laughs> let, let me handle it. And he just did a little crossover, step back, boom, knocks it down, back up six with about a minute and a half to play. Um, he is uh, – I was telling Mike this last night after the game. He, he is – Locking down that right wing spot for hitting big shots uh, the way Aaron Harrison did uh, on the left side uh, in uh, that 2014 run. Uh, Jacob Toppin had his best game, and uh, he hit some massive shots, free throws and uh, jumpers, 16 points for him. And then Isaiah Jackson had all 15 of his points in the first half, also finished with nine rebounds. Um, Vandy, four of 23 on threes. So Kentucky clearly was focused on not letting Vandy get rolling at that three-point line. Now, what it did was opened up, I think, a lot of opportunities for offensive rebounds. They gave up way too many of those. But Kentucky made eight of 26 threes. And um, they continue to um, make noise at the three-point line. Uh, Outscored Vandy by four three-point baskets. Uh, Kentucky... Now it goes down to Tennessee, which beat South Carolina last night, 93-73. to This will be a rematch of the game from a couple of weeks ago. Kentucky controlled it with about 10 minutes to go. I think they were up 10. And then Keon Johnson and Jared Springer, the two freshmen for Tennessee, took over. So it'll be interesting to see what Kentucky's plan is to defend those two guys on Saturday. We'll talk a little bit about that with Mike when he joins us here in a minute. Um, 
But Kentucky built a 17-point lead. They did some things defensively they don't normally do, and uh, it was out of respect for Scotty Pippen Jr., and it really bothered him. He was scoreless in the first half. Then in the second half, uh, he adjusted and uh, made some changes in the way he was playing, and you know, that's what good play, good teams, good coaches do, good players. And then he gave Kentucky fits in the second half, but the, the first half was big. To and what they were doing, they, they call it icing. You saw them; they kept him out of the middle of the floor. They uh, forced him down the side, and that's something they hadn't done to him uh, before, and uh, gave uh, Pippen some problems. And then uh, Vandy made a nice switch when Kentucky was rolling, and their uh, switch and they started trapping a lot out of some zone, and uh, that gave Kentucky problems. So it was an interesting chess match kind of a game. A um, couple of other notes: women's basketball game scheduled for tonight against LSU. Has been pushed back a day. It's a travel issue, not a COVID nineteen issue. So the game will be at two o'clock tomorrow at the Coliseum between Kentucky and LSU instead of tonight. The uh, Kentucky volleyball team, ranked number three in the country, was scheduled to play a home series, a couple of home matches against South Carolina this weekend. Those have been postponed. That is a COVID issue for South Carolina. Links to the stories that we talk about each day can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. We'll head to break. We'll chat with Mike Pratt when he comes right back. A little later, Justin Rowland, Christy Thomas, all coming up on this edition of the Leach Report. Served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. We'll be right back. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. HempWorks.com hotline and bring on Mike Pratt. Did you get home safely last night? I did. I did. Good. It, uh, it was a. It was kind of an adventure. Uh, <laughs> it stopped around Shelbyville, but uh, before that, the flurries kind of they kind of came and went. A lot of traffic, so it uh, knocked the knocked the snow down on the highway. Well, it's. Uh... Good to good to know that uh, you made it because I would have hate to had uh, you know had an empty segment here, and good to know yeah, that you're well, safe that's too. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're thinking about that. That's right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the game. Um, oh no, we lost Mike. <laughs> Call him back. <laughs> oh, uh, Kentucky. Uh, now improves to six and seven in the league, and as we uh, mentioned earlier in the week, it's the same record they had through thirteen league games back in twenty eighteen. So they could still make a run uh, as that team did, uh, and they finished the season. I think won four out of five and uh, won the SEC tournament, and then uh, made it out to the Sweet Sixteen. We got Mike back now. Uh, let's talk about uh, the win last night, Mike, and uh, you know Kentucky's now. Um, Finding a little bit of an identity offensively. Uh, they found a way to, to pull out two close games. It's not always pretty, but it's got to build some confidence with each each time you do that, right? It, it, it really does. And a, and a couple things that were interesting, Tom, as I look at the stat sheet this morning. You know, many times Kentucky uh, failed to get to the charity strike uh, in losses or they had bad shooting nights, okay? Last night, 24 or 25. Vandy got there 28 times. The whistles were wild last night. But here's a couple of other stats. 15 turns, which is not bad. I think you want to keep it in the 12 
11, 12, 13 range, but they turned it over 15 times. But they turned Vandy over 14 and outscored Vandy by four in that category. How many times have we seen combination of poor shooting, couldn't convert it to foul line, and giving up points off turnovers? Those three areas I thought were really problems for Kentucky in, in most of those games. And they seem to have uh, turned the corner somewhat. Um, they they outscored Vandy by 12 points beyond the arc. Um, and usually they're outscored. So they that was it was a good game uh, for Kentucky to get um, on the road, no question. And it's interesting numbers game I was looking at uh, in preparing for yesterday's game. I don't think we got into discussing this, so maybe we'll get to it on Saturday. But uh, Kentucky, since the the Georgia game last month, um, their three-point attempts uh, are over 21 a game. And that, if it, if that held up over an entire season, would be the most by any Calipari team to shoot 21 threes a game. Uh, the the other two that were even close to that and, and didn't get, uh, I think the 17 team averaged uh, above 19 attempts and uh, the 2011 team was a little under 19 attempts per game. So they made one of 13 threes at Georgia. They were one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country. And what happens after that? They shoot more and they make more. Uh and uh, I think part of that, it's not just that suddenly they took a, a magic pill and started making three-pointers. Uh, playing faster has to have helped and, and opened up some of these opportunities, right? Yes, I like them in transition. I like them in transition when, when they move the ball up the floor more via the air than the dribble, okay? Yes. Because it makes it harder for your opponent to get back defensively and find people. Move it up via the air, that really puts a lot of pressure on the defense instead of trying to dribble it through everybody and just uh, having a potential uh, turnover off the bounce or just allow the defense to reset itself by dribbling, taking more time. And the other piece of your question uh, or your fact-finding mission was you got a coach who was begging you to shoot, even though you were shooting with a crap. But he's begging you to shoot. So guys now, are they know and they start to feel that, yes, they can without any repercussions, okay? And and they're more relaxed. They figured out how to take the trade and transition it. Back in the ABA, one way that uh, the the three-point shot was utilized so well was in transition. Guys would pull up any time on the break and and let it go. Uh, On the half court, you still had – Bigs at the low post, like Issel, like Gilmore, like Mel Daniels. So on the half court, you're still trying to run your offense through them a lot. But boy, in the half in transition, people would let it go, and that's what I think we're trying to see uh, or starting to see from these cats. I there was a the call that uh, got Twitter buzzing late was the charging call on Keon Brooks. Spec, you know, wiped out a spectacular dunk. Uh, that uh, would have ended up on, the, on all the highlight shows. Uh, I saw John Adams, the former national coordinator of officials, who always uh, engages with Kentucky fans, I think through his friendship with Oscar, and gives some great insight. And I saw where he said that uh, by rule, 
um, they made the right call. And I don't don't dispute John. So my thought is just I, I hate it's a uh, it's a shame if you have a game where or have a rule where that play is taken away. You need to think about the way the rule is written or enforced. Um, and say, if you're an official, you have to call what what they uh, what your supervisor tells you to call, or call the rule the way it's written. But man, uh, I, I hate those kinds of plays. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But as as I said to you on the broadcast last night, you know, if Keon just goes up or, or challenges. Uh, to the side of the defender, you know, he, he sees Saw ahead of him. He said, how can I get this ball to him? He's closer yeah. to the hoop than me. I draw the defender without charging in. I kick to him. And, and there was an opportunity there. And, and uh, I think in today's game, guys, have, we've seen a lot of missed dunks this year all of a sudden. Guys trying to dunk the ball when they need a step or two more, throws them out of the rhythm. And we've, we've seen a lot of that. Some of Kentucky's players and many other players, not just the Cats. Uh, so, you know, if, if you want to try to make a, a highlight visit and do that, fine. But you got to, you can't pass on a two. And, and I just thought it would have been easier done if Keon would have dished to Sar. Now you're right. You make a, a excellent point because the thing is, a player, uh, even if you don't like the rule or a coach or a fan, is a player. You have to adapt. To whatever the the rule is or the way it's called, and so there, if you maybe you, you jump stop, force the guy to come out, you lob it up to Sar, um, and yeah, you yeah. you get the dunk that way. Yeah, so it's yeah. I mean, it's but but guys, look at it's just like now Kentucky's trying to do the fast break, the transition, Tom. The way I think it, it affects the game the most. Fill those lanes when you yes. fill those lanes and push the ball. That makes the defense have to really scramble to find you because defense typically they'll go back to the middle of the floor and build out. They go back and cut off the drives and build out. Well, if you're a three-point shooter, you're running the outside lanes both ways and the ball's in the middle or it's pushed up ahead to you. You know, you're going to have a good look at the basket if that's what you want because the defense is scrambling and trying to pack it into the middle and build out. So they're starting to do that now. We've seen Mints in Boston and others uh, get get a lot of shots that way, and they're catching them in a in rhythm. They step into them, shoot them, shooting them with confidence. Whereas I think some of the the shots they were missing earlier, especially threes, they were not that that type of play. They were trying to create a, a three or force something. Yeah, yeah, I mean, no question, and I, and I think that really that shows in their uh, attempts. We you talked about attempts that in their makes. I mean. They outscored Vandy by 12 points last night on trays. Vandy beat them by 15 in Lexington. So that's the kind of swing you see when you're making trays or not making trays. Quick thought ahead to Tennessee on Saturday. Uh, What's Kentucky need to do differently to get an upset win in Knoxville? Fulkerson and Ponds, they did a nice job on them last time, and I was thinking about that this morning. But Springer's a guy. He, He... He's the Reggie Jackson, the straw that stirs the drink for Tennessee. You can talk about Johnson and the rest of them, but Springer's a terrific point guard. And he, he's the guy in the college game that is the most important part of the offense. Stop him. Keep him out of the paint. And that's going to be the challenge on Saturday. We'll talk more about that uh, on our broadcast uh, leading up to a 1 o'clock Eastern time tip on Saturday. 
Thank you, Mike. Talk to you Saturday. See you, buddy. Mike Pratt's weekly visits come to you via Boone's Butcher Shop in Bardstown. Boone'sButcherShop.com on the web. We'll head to a break. Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated when we come right back here on the Leach Report Radio Network. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. 27 past the top of the hour. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Bring on Justin Rowland from CatsIllustrated.com. Justin, there's been a lot of uh, discussion in recent weeks about conference tournaments. Uh, Are they going to be played? Should they be played? I think uh, the the, uh, selection committee has set the deadline for um, next weekend for uh, conferences to make the decision on how they're going to award their automatic bid. Uh, but we got word yesterday uh, on an email stream that uh, those of us that are uh, on the broadcast crews uh, around the league that we have been approved to work um, at the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville. So plans are all moving forward for the SEC tournament. And uh, I haven't heard anything on attendance yet, but I would imagine there will be some level of attendance. Yep, and so there will be some Kentucky presence there. And, you know, that gives fans a reason to stay invested in the season. So they kind of figuring it out a little bit in terms of you know doing just enough to win late in games and you can at least pin your hopes on the sec tournament for now that maybe they can make things interesting so so it's a good reason to stay checked in this is a funny uh team in that um even though they as you say are starting to figure it out you also just always kind of have the feeling at least right now that no matter how well it's going it's going to end up going right down to the wire you could just tell yesterday they played I mean, the first few minutes of the game, Vandy had six turnovers. Kentucky had none. Kentucky looked red hot from three. And you look at the scoreboard, it's like they're only up ten. You know, this is going to be interesting down the stretch. You know, as long as they can't avoid the five- or six-minute scoring droughts, they're just not going to be able to put teams away. But they have, you know, gone from getting beat solidly to giving games away, and now two, two in a row they've held on to. So, baby steps. Justin Rollins with us uh, from CatsIllustrated.com. It's at Roland Rivals on Twitter. We're coming up on the hard break at the bottom of the hour, so we'll take that and uh, come back to continue our discussion. A little later, Christy Thomas from the BBN Game Day Show. Uh, as the uh, UK women have a game scheduled now tomorrow afternoon against LSU. Uh, well, the men will be going down to Tennessee on Saturday. So we'll talk about all that coming up in the second half of the Leach Report for this Thursday. Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Second half of our show from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio. We welcome back Justin Rowland, CatsIllustrated.com. You talk about Kentucky's um, starting to uh, make some significant progress here. What what is it that uh, you're seeing that is encouraging? Well, Davion Mintz is making some really big shots in the clutch. I think the last two games, the the thing that really stands out is Isaiah Jackson. I mean, he's taken his game to another level. He's playing a lot more minutes than he had earlier in the year. He's 10 of 13 from the field the last two games, averaging 10 rebounds per game. He's not turning it over. Turnovers are a big problem, especially offensive uh, you know, fouls and, and just, just mistakes on the offensive. And he's really cleaned that up. And, 
you know, if you're just looking for the difference between close losses and close wins, I think he's been the most improved player. He's made a huge difference. Kentucky, in these last few weeks, has started to, I think, look a little bit like Cal's second team that took a long time to kind of figure out its best way to play. Uh, and they just had some some higher-level individual talents like a, a Brandon Knight that uh, got them through some uh, – gave them enough wins earlier until they figured it out. But what they, they ended up doing that season was started out kind of trying to play through Terrence Jones, and he was going to be their, their guy. And then as the season played out, uh, it turned out that – Brandon Knight was the guy. What they they ended up using the five man out away from the basket, Josh Harrelson, and did some pick and pop things. He was comfortable playing uh, facing the basket, and they used the four guy, Jones, as more of the post up, and that's kind of seems to be able, they're doing some of that now. Um, with and now you know Askew's not Brandon Knight, but uh, Sar gives you more of a scoring threat than than uh, than Josh did. And then uh, Jackson's becoming very effective working the baseline in the low post. Yeah, I think they're they're playing at a better tempo now than they were earlier in the season. You're right. That team, Brandon Knight, is is, is the biggest difference. They were really good in the pick and roll game that year, yeah. and and, Knight, and Lamb was obviously a dead eye shooter. And you know, it looked like they were going to shoot well for a third straight game, and then they just went ice cold. Um, you know, you're not going to sustain fifty percent three point shooting. Um, but I think it's fair to say. That if you if you had a normal season with the normal amount of non conference games that they should have won, you know you look at their SEC record now they're around five hundred. They you know in a normal calendar year, normal schedule, they probably would have been a, at least a bubble team. And it doesn't yes. look like that when you're seven and thirteen, but it's just been that different of a season. Yeah, and they would have maybe figured out what they're figuring out now. Maybe they would have figured that out earlier with more games. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They were really thrown into the fire and. You know, who knows how some of those losses piling up really affected or delayed their confidence or coming together. Uh, they go to Tennessee on Saturday, and uh, if you go down there and get a win, all of a sudden it uh, makes, I think, a little bit of a, of a statement that uh, you could be a, uh, you know, a serious threat uh, to have another extended stay in Nashville next month. I mean, I think they're already there. I mean, if you just look at what they've done, and I'm not, again, I'm not predicting that they're going to win the tournament. Like, maybe they'll only have a 10-to-1 odds to win the SEC tournament. But, you know, that's better than, you know, the at-large odds. I just think they're they're at the point where they're going to play with Alabama. They're going to play with Tennessee. They're going to have a chance to win late in those games. I am skeptical, you know, that they can string together two or three wins against really solid opponents. Um because Auburn and, and Vanderbilt have, have had their limitations. But, yeah, they, you can expect them to be in the game against, you know, top 25, top 30 caliber teams right now. You know, the uh, what they're doing is shooting a lot. We were just talking about this uh, earlier, shooting a lot more threes now than they were and making more. And uh, the, uh, the, the script for making a run over – three or four days of having to win, you know, four or best case scenario, three games uh, in succession, um, in successive days to, to get the automatic bid is if you get hot at the three-point line and just uh, ride that wave. That can obviously go the other way real quickly. But, you know, you see teams that get like that sometimes. They just get in that groove. And um, that's that's what it's going to take something like that probably for this team uh, to um, get that mission accomplished. 
Absolutely, yeah. The defense is going to carry. The defense is going to keep them in the game. But these teams that get hot in conference tournaments usually have at least one guy that just kind of loses his mind. You know, in my experience, it's more about one guy getting really, really hot and carrying them than it is a bunch of guys who aren't normally good shooters becoming good shooters. So maybe it's Mintz, maybe it's Boston, maybe it's a combination, but they, they do have to find more offense from even where they are now, I think. It's uh, it's ironic that the three point shooting is kind of becoming a big thing for them, but you you can uh, if you think about it see why it happened because it's uh, it's Calipari's worst team in terms of two point field goal percentage and reasons for that they don't have a you know classic back to the basket score stars uh, you know I think more comfortable out in space and they don't have guys as Cal has said many times that can just beat their man off the dribble and break down the defense so they um, you know. Ball movement and you know uh, working the ball around to where you get the defense closing out. Then maybe you can get by somebody and get into the lane. But uh, you're not always you know getting as close as you might have gotten with other teams. And so you're shooting you know a little bit more of a contested shot or a little bit uh, two or three four feet farther out. And so those percentages go down. And so if you're not shooting a high percentage of twos, then you got to find a, a way to make it up somewhere else. Yeah, that's been an interesting social media conversation with with people who cover UK over the past couple of days. The numbers are so pronounced that, you know, the three-point shooting, the shooting around the basket in the mid-range game, the mid-range game has just been, other than maybe Jacob Toppin, just been so inefficient this year, and it's an inefficient shot in basketball. And yet they've taken a lot of the shots. And my suspicion has been they continue taking the mid-range shots because they don't find it easy to get the the good looks around the rim, and they're not very good, or they haven't been good at the long-range shots. But some of it's probably shot selection, too. Um, Oh, yeah. But, yeah, the fewer mid-range shots that they take, the better off they're going to be. Uh, I think that's uh, certainly true, and uh, they seem to be, you know, trending in that direction. And so, if you're, you know, they they're at least getting more value for the shots they are making if they're uh, if more of them are threes. Vandy's top twenty-five in the country in three-point attempts per game. Kentucky was outside the top three hundred. No surprise to anybody who's watched the program in recent years. And I don't know what the final numbers were, but at one point in the second half, Kentucky had attempted more three-pointers than Vanderbilt, and I definitely didn't expect that to happen. It's funny. I was looking yesterday at uh, Gonzaga, uh, where you know uh, you think uh, with all the discussion about you know quote unquote you know modern basketball or where the game's going or whatever. Uh, Gonzaga. Now they're playing in the last two or three years. They're playing a faster tempo than they had before, but their uh, percentage of three-point attempts, they're 291st in the country. The percentage of points they get on threes, they're 328th in the country. (laughs) (laughs) But they're number two in offensive efficiency. That lends some credence to what Cal Perry has said. You want to take this many and you want to get to the rim and you want The problem this year is they haven't gotten to the foul line as much as they usually do, right. and they haven't gotten as many points around the bucket from you know the post-up game. But yeah, trying to dissect how many threes do you want to shoot a game based on the rankings, there are good teams that shoot a lot, there are good teams that shoot in the middle, and there are good teams that don't shoot a lot. You just better be good at what you do. Uh, I was looking at uh, your uh, Twitter timeline just to get, I was trying to get some topics that way to, to bring up with you. I saw uh, one on the football side where I uh, your off-season storyline, you have a, a very clear number one. That's right, yeah. I mean, Kentucky is losing quite a bit on the defensive line. Quentin Bohanna, uh, Cordell Looney, and Phil Hoskins. That's a lot of snaps, a lot of uh, experience. 
and you have to have a good defensive line in the SEC. Well, they're one year removed from the highest-ranked signing class of defensive linemen in the program's history. You think about Justin Rogers, five-star, Trayvon Ribka, Josiah Hayes, Octavius Oxendine. They didn't get, you know, Oxendine didn't really get a spring football. Um, those guys had a very unconventional season, all SEC schedule. There's a big variance in, in what could happen there. I mean, they could just be young guys a year away again. Or you can have a couple of those guys really have a breakout offseason and become big-time SEC players. And so that's definitely what I'm going to be watching. Yeah, it's uh, you know, the talent certainly seems like it's it's there. But, um, you know, uh, as a coach, you wanting it and them being ready to provide it, always uh, those lines don't always hit at the same time. Yeah, and fortunately it was a free season for all of those guys. But it was just such an unconventional offseason. I don't think we have any clue what they're working with there, but I've heard good things about Justin Rogers looking like kind of a grown man right now, and Oxendine certainly looks like it. Those guys are going to get opportunities, and somebody else I think we're all sleeping on is Isaiah Gibson. He's a year older than those guys, and you know he was in a position to play this year, and, and I think he's going to be a factor as well. Justin, thanks for the time as always. Thanks, Tom. You can read him at catsillustrated.com as well as the rest of his team. It's at Roland Rivals on Twitter, and uh, you can subscribe for their coverage of the Cats. We're going to get to a break. Come back with Christy Thomas from the BDM Game Day Show on the Leach Report Radio Network. Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. Go back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. We're on Christy Thomas. She's here on Saturdays on the BBN Game Day Show. And uh, Kentucky now has shown some signs of life here late in the season, Christy. And now they go down to play Tennessee in a rematch of a, of a game they had a chance uh, to win two weeks ago. And let's slip away late. So um, what's your take on this team now? Uh, how has it evolved to this point? You know, I think it's just really that this is going to be one of those seasons that I always look back on and say, what a shame that they really didn't have the opportunity to try to come together over the summer and in a, in the preseason the way a team normally would, because I think we are just now starting to see potentially what we would have seen earlier in the season had they been able to have all that time together, had they been able to play a true non-conference schedule, really start to gain some confidence with some wins, um, It'll always be a season of what if for me, just just from that standpoint, because you know I like um, what I saw out of these guys last night, um, especially coming right out of the gate with with so much offense and really attacking on the offensive end. Um, I thought was really impressive. So um, I think it's going to always be a season of what might have been for me. Uh, they have a shot to make a little bit of a statement on Saturday down at uh, Tennessee, but even if you don't get it, you can still finish strong. I think uh, what I've been saying for a couple of weeks now is if they – it would be hard to imagine them winning the SEC tournament uh, going in without much momentum. And so now they've put themselves in a position, and you look at what the schedule is, where they have a chance to generate a little you know, positive momentum and confidence going back into what will uh, hopefully be another long stay in Nashville. Well, and I think you bring up a great point about momentum. In the SEC tournament, if you're not one of those top four seeds, this is a really, really difficult tournament. You've heard Cal mention it multiple times about how tough this tournament is because, you know, you're playing every single day. 
and there there are no breaks. And when you don't get one of those top four seeds and be able to get um, those coveted buys like that, it, it really is a hard tournament. And so if Kentucky can get some momentum and you aren't sitting in a top four seed, then you could really, um, you know, make a run. It's, it's happened. It can, you know, it, it's definitely something that can be done. But I think you bring up a great point that these guys, ha- it's, it's about momentum and confidence for them, just knowing that, that they can do it, that they can put a team away, that they can hold off a team, that they can survive a run, which is exactly what we saw last night. Boy, that was a tale of, of two halves. I thought, man, how good they must feel going into that locker room with a big double-digit lead and then to really let it all slip away in the second half could have been um, devastating for this team and what we've seen in the past. And they just they didn't let that happen. They found um, They found their way. And I think that does nothing but build a ton of confidence, and especially for guys like, you know, think about a guy like Isaiah Jackson, who just has really struggled to, he's effective on the floor on the defensive end, and you want him in the game, but he's not necessarily a scorer, and he was a go-to guy last night. And um, so a lot of guys like that that I think about just watching and seeing their confidence grow, and they really do, you know, they, they wear it. It is a palpable thing i think to see them building that confidence um and that that certainly leads to good things for sure you make a really good point about isaiah there because uh thinking back to the tennessee game he played very little and afterward uh, when cal was asked about it he said he just didn't have it and i remember on the the radio show maybe we were talking about it too and he said he sat down with isaiah and watched the tape of the game and he said isaiah could see uh, that you know he just and you look at his numbers he it's uh i think maybe the only game this year where he didn't block a shot um, and um, he is, you know, him playing the way he's played in these last couple of games could be uh, a big boost versus what they got last time from him against Tennessee. No doubt. And even if you, even if he's not blocking shots, he's altering shots. I think we saw that last night in the second half against Vanderbilt. He just, he is, he's a presence inside that is altering shots on the defensive end, which is what makes him so important and why he needs to be on the floor. I'll be honest with you, Tom, when he fouled out with about 12 minutes to go, I thought, oh no, <laughs> oh no. And it wasn't so much from the offensive side of things as it was on offense. I was, or defense. I was really concerned about who could bring his energy on the defensive end and um, help them pull out that last 12 minutes. So I've just been really impressed with what I've seen from him um, the, the last couple of games. Talk with Christy Thomas. You can uh, see her and Keith Farmer on the BBN Game Day Show on Saturday mornings here in the Lexington market on WLEX at 9 a.m. Eastern. And uh, it's uh, on at other times around the state and various affiliates. You can go to the UKAthletics.com website and, and find that out. You were talking about confidence a minute ago. Uh, there was a play last night that just kind of shows, and it's, it's always cool to see a, a, an athlete who gets in that zone if you want to use that term or just is is soaring with confidence um it was about a minute and a half to play kentucky's up three mince has got the ball on the side uh where he's that side where he he's uh, found his spot now and keon brooks starts to come up and set a screen for him and he's like he just waves him off but uh in a very dismissive way almost he's like get out of here i got this <laughs> and then he just you know uh, cold-blooded drains a three and uh, you know, gave him some some important breathing room there. That I enjoyed that moment. Oh, I thought it was great. And it's also one of those I screamed at the TV, no, no. <laughs> I'm thinking that's not the shot. And then when it went in, I, you're exactly right. I mean, this is just a guy who, who, who at that moment knew exactly what he was doing. He was four of nine from the three-point line. And so, you know, I think he just was – 
um, at that place where where he's like, we got this. And and th- but I think that's sort of what this team has been looking for is that dog, that guy. You know, yeah. we hear Mark Stoops and Vince Marrow say that all the time about guys on the football field. You're looking for that dog, that guy that's got that fight in him that wants to step up and knock down big shots, that wants to be in that moment exactly. And that's exactly what we saw from Davion last night. So, you know, I, I think that that bodes very well for this team down the stretch as well, too. But I, I will say this, too. Um, when we're talking about confidence, something that I think um, was very telling last night was these guys stepping into the line and knocking down 24, 25 free throws. You know, that, that certainly – Speaks to their 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 shooting confidence. We we they've struggled from the field. They have struggled to knock down shots, easy shots, finishing around the rim. But when you can step to the line and knock down 24, 25 shots in a game that you know you've got to start to create some separation, then that's where you really are starting to to get back into the groove of shooting and feeling good about your shots. Christy, thank you much. Thank you. It's Christy Thomas from the BBN Game Day Show. Uh, we're heading to a break, and I uh, wanted to uh, visit with her a, a couple more minutes. I just ran out of time on women's basketball because have got an important stretch coming up for the U.K. women. They've got LSU at home tomorrow, and then they go to South Carolina and go to Georgia for the next two games. And both of those teams were ahead of Kentucky on the uh, seed line for the unveiling of the women's bracket. So it's a big opportunity or a couple of them actually coming up for the Cats. We'll be right back to close out this edition of the Leach Report. Time for This Day in Wildcat History. It's presented by the Rave On app. It's R-A-V-E. It's a uh, free app you can download, and you can uh, interact with uh, fans on big plays, bad calls, etc., while you're watching the Cats play. 1998. Number eight, Kentucky, one at Florida, 79 to 54. And the interesting angle to this was that it avenged a loss at Rupp Arena. So they lost to the Gators in Rupp. And then on this day, went down and returned the favor with a 25 point win in Gainesville. Uh, saw a uh, mock draft for the NFL that had Jamin Davis as the first Wildcat uh, taken in round two. Uh, Kelvin Joseph also projected uh, in round two, and then Drake Jackson and Quentin Bohanna are also projected draft picks. But, um, uh, you know, I see with that kind of projection why uh, Jamin made the decision that he made. I was uh, a little surprised that it was that high, but uh, good for him. Um, and uh, happy, uh, hopefully it turns out that way or even better uh, come draft day. That will do it for us. Uh, we will see you tomorrow to preview Kentucky, Tennessee, with Mike DeCourcy and more here on the Leach Report. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com. 